0: Welcome back to another episode of the Live Mountainless Podcast. On this episode, I sit down with Diego and Darren, and we talk about EV vehicles, EV racing, EV taking over the world, and just everything EV. Um, it, it's very fun episode. Diego has been on the podcast before. I got to meet Darren. Darren Sorenzo is a retired Air Force fighter pilot, founder of the Electric Motorcycle Rally, and the NHRA quarter mile record holder for stock electric motorcycle. Uh, we rode out to Malibu. It was a great ride. Diego Cardenas, founder of Livewire Rider Group and on Facebook, and long-range EV rider, current cannonball run run record holder. Um, he's done the border-to-border border and, I believe, the east coast-to-west coast, to West coast uh, cannonball run, which is very impressive on these bikes. These bikes are very limited. Uh, on mileage, you have to have a certain style on uh, how you're going to get to places, especially if you're doing long distance, where you're going to stop. If you go full throttle, you're going to run through the energy much quicker. So there's a lot of strategy into this. And we talked about uh, how EV is now and what to look forward to. And, and I got to be honest, uh, it's it's pretty amazing at this current moment, you know, so we get into that. Um don't forget, this episode is brought to you by Ride Clean. Ride Clean is the simple and easy way to clean your EV motorcycle or your combustion motor motorcycle. Uh, simply spray, wipe, and you'll have a mirror like finish made in America, made out of carnauba wax. Uh, smells amazing. Check them out at rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPodcast for uh, 20% off plus free shipping plus a bonus microfiber and a two ounce uh carry bottle that's rideclean.co without further ado here we go (laughs) thank you guys for being here
1: what do you guys think of the ride over here the traffic and craziness I was crazy. It was pretty L.A. standard though, you know, for a Friday. Beautiful weather though, and uh, canyons and coming up from Malibu was awesome. Yeah, the so.
0: what? W- 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 you know, I got a quick question. We were talking about Temecula, and when I left yesterday, it was it was sixty six degrees,
1: but it didn't feel like L.A. sixty six degrees. Like it felt warmer. Am I tripping or? No, Temecula is very warm. You know, once you get inland they're right up the corridor of the fifteen. Uh, it's nice and warm. So it, it'll feel warmer than it is until you get up into the mountains. But it feels warmer than what it is, right? Yeah, because you don't have the same breeze from the coast coming up like ocean. you do here. Not, so I think that throws a lot of people off. But, um, yeah, Temecula is really nice and warm in the summertime.
0: Yeah, we, we were cooking. We were It was 66, and we were cooking. And, and especially because we did the hot air balloon, they were like, you know, dress up warm because we're meeting everybody at 530 in the morning. So we were like, oh, shit, we better dress up warm. We were, we were cooking. It was hot. And then... My uh, my wife was like, it doesn't feel 66. I go, it's 66. That's Siri. It's 66. So anyways, that's just something I noticed.
1: Yeah. But the ride over here was amazing. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, what a great day to skip work and be out riding. Yeah. That lobster was uh, was awesome for lunch too. I appreciate you pointing that
0: out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that place is a, <laughs> a popping spot. They, like I said, they have two of them. So we tried one of them, the West Coast one. Oh, we got to go back now. <laughs> We, you know, I, I've been trying to, for a minute, to try to get the East Coast. I can't execute it. You know, I know it's going to be good, but I can't execute it when you have both choices. It's like, why, why would you even risk it? Well, the it? places that
1: I've I've gone and got one of each, I've always regretted getting the cold one, you know, which would be the East Coast. I've always just gone for the the, the warm, baked uh, West Coast version, so. Yeah, you, you can't, can't go, go wrong. wrong. Nope.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's not cheap. It's not crazy expensive,
1: but it's not cheap. So you just want to enjoy it the right way. Yeah.
0: And then what what, what are you riding right now?
1: Uh, I'm riding a 2022 Energica Ego. Uh, is that a gas vehicle? No. Oh, I'm kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's all electric. It, it is all electric. You know? It's so, a new company, correct? Uh, they've been around for a few years, but they're... Um, they're based in Italy, so they're imported. Um, unlike uh, the Livewire, which is uh, here in the U.S., and Zero, which is the other major uh, electric bike manufacturer. So Zero's th- been a long, I, I think. Yeah, Zero is right? probably the most well-known because they've they've had bikes out probably the longest, and uh, you know they've got several different models, and they're based here in California. So they've got actual uh, a lot of dealerships, you know, um, just in and in and around normal gas motorcycles so their name has been out there a little bit longer um energica people haven't probably seen that much of them because they're they're more based in europe and italy Uh, they're actually made right down the road from ducati so uh, they've got a lot of that flair and that design uh, in in them and uh, but they're a lot more well known obviously in europe and what they're what they're really well known for is racing in um in moto gp so they have an all-electric division, which is called Moto E. And if you if you YouTube or you watch it live, um, the Moto E division during a Moto GP race, what you're seeing is all identical Energica track bikes, uh, which is very close to the street bike that I have and, and was riding today. It's a beautiful bike. It, yeah. it looks
0: like a street, like a track bike. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of how they were born. You know, they 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 were their sole focus when they formed the company was to make this track bike for Moto E. And so it's kind of neat when you do watch them race because you're watching basically different riders race on the identical same bike, which no other you know, division does. They're, they're always scattered with different manufacturers. So some bikes are faster than other bikes, but here it's, it's the playing field is equal. So when you see them you know, start to open up gaps and stuff during the race, you're actually watching the difference in the skill of the rider. So I I find that very interesting when the bikes are all the same.
0: No, very. What what other technologies does the bike have? Obviously it's electric. Obviously it's, you know, it's, it's electric, the the suspension. I mean, what kind of technology do they put
1: in research, research and development for the bike? So a lot of the bike is the same as you would get on any other bike. Like if you were riding a Ducati or any other sport bike, you can get the same suspension, the same brakes. Uh, you can put the same rims, the same tires. None of that is unique to it being electric. Pretty much what you look at an electric motorcycle is the battery obviously uh, replaces the gas tank and the electric motor replaces the gas motor. Right. Um, other than that, the frame, um, almost everything else can be, can be swapped between bikes. Um, so the neat thing about uh, what, what these bikes have, and, and Livewire has a lot of the same commonalities, is they have the latest technology in battery size. Uh, so this bike has the largest battery pack that you can get in a production bike right now, which is 21.5 kilowatt hours. So that's good because that increases your range. And then it's got the, the, the biggest motor most horsepower that you can get an electric bike which is nice because that obviously gives you a lot of performance so it's rated at 171 peak horsepower and 159 foot pounds of torque that's a beast so when that's available to you all the time from zero to 150 it's a lot of fun yeah that's a beast just real quick diego what are you riding today
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I knew that was going to come. What do, what do you so so, so today? So, so you so set today, this up today. I set this up the electric motorcycle podcast, right? Yeah. But <laughs> I showed up on an old school Harley Davidson. Hey, that's no slap. I'm even dressing. Yeah. Oh, guys, I i, I, was, I forgot.
1: Yeah. I forgot the gasser that, that uh Diego yeah. rode in on today. So you know, twenty years old.
2: Twenty year old gasser that I have, but I still love that bike like hell. Um. Well, the live one right now is getting tuned up. It's getting maintained. we we have a bunch of events that we're going to talk about. Uh, coming up in the next couple of months, and uh, so the bike's going at the shop. But right now, I'm riding around in a 2002 Harley Davidson VRSCA. For those of you guys who don't know what that is, that's a V Rod.
0: Yes, sir. Um, so basically, stainless steel,
2: stainless steel, chrome, al- anodized aluminum, and basically, a portion Harley Davidson had a baby. That is what they had. <laughs> is isn't
0: there <laughs> isn't there a company that's uh, converting regular motorcycles into electric motorcycles? Where they're doing, like, a drop-in motor? I know that there's, Electric a, few, motor there's a. A,
2: a few outfits back. East. One
0: of them is Sunduka
2: Cycles. They do their own kind of, you tell them what project you want, and they'll kind of work for, with you, and they also have some bikes. So there are some project bikes. A couple of guys that I know online, like Scott Chow, he's converted his Ducati, and he's put a Nergica powertrain inside of it. Nice. And it looks really nice. You saw yeah. the final product? And I can't thing, wait till that one's done. Oh, my God. That thing and the looks, performance on it. It's like going oh to be insane. It's going to be insane. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who lean kit bikes now because it's just that much easier, you know. Well,
0: have. it just makes sense. Like there, there's a there's another company I saw. They make uh they just make a rim for uh, bicycles with the motor in in it. Mm-hmm, the hub so you motor, just, yeah. You just you just order the hub and install it and do wiring, put a throttle, and then and you, then get you got yourself an e bike. You know, out so of your regular bike. Yeah.
2: So so yeah. So it's um you're seeing a bunch of um, outfits now, and people are doing projects like that. I mean. Uh, uh, Stefano, which is the guy who runs uh, Energica here in the United States, he even told me once I go to them, I told him, you know, it would be nice if I ever made a V Rod electric. He goes, Well, if you ever need something, call me up. I can hook you up with a controller. I think that's an invite. I can invite you. I can get you a controller, battery, and motor. So
1: yeah. <laughs> My, uh, on that topic, he said he cannot keep used bikes or salvage bikes because of the demand for parts like that. Because people would want to do exactly what Scott's doing. And take, you know, if you happen to find a salvage bike out there, um, people are taking them and throwing them in other things. So it's it's going to be a huge market. Yeah, it's going to be a humongous
0: market. Back to my question to you about technology is, I, I, I haven't seen many companies do it the way that uh, Buell did it. But when Buell was really popular, and it's still out, I believe. I believe the 1125 is still performing on racetracks. But the technology that they had, like, you know, the the oil, where you, where you put the oil was on the... Uh, swing arm the swing arm had you know that's your oil tank your your frame was your gas tank the top you know of the gas was uh you know an air intake so they, they really like they did you know special technology or special engineering for for that kind of stuff and and i know electric bikes are again electric and fast and performing but are they doing anything like they are they're all using abs right we're using bremble top notch suspensions inverted yours is inverted front end
1: I believe so,
0: yeah. It's yeah. a Olens. So. Oh, yeah, w- yeah, which is top-notch brand. So so they they're, they're putting top top quality into all these bikes. What
2: they're doing also in addition to that, they're putting a lot of technology behind them when it comes to information technology. So for example, right. the live wire itself is a fully connected bike. So when you get the live wire, you get an app. That app not only connects to the bike, but also connects to the internet. I and the done bike that. is and the bike is fully connected to the internet. So at any time, you know how fast the bike is going, where the bike is at, if somebody's even tipped it, or all kinds of parameters that the app gives you that lets you know that the bike is nearby or it's been stolen, or you can mark it as stolen and the bike literally stops working.
0: It stops working. Same? On, on your guys's bike? No, that your guys's bike. Yeah. But the bike that you're riding. No, the
1: Energica does not have a uh, like a connected type of capability like that. There is an app that connects via Bluetooth. It doesn't connect via internet. It's it's one of the things that the, I believe they're working on. They they want to add, um, but the, like I said, the the company and it's kind of you can tell in the product. But the the company when they were formed, it was specifically to make this this uh, track bike, and they really aimed. Uh, for the equal performance real right they wanted to make a sport bike that you would ride and say i love riding that sport bike it just happens to be electric and they didn't want to they didn't want to feel like you were skimping out on any of the performance features of of a of a a actual uh, sport bike and they made it for like i said for racing on the track for moto gp so you can tell when when you when you get a street uh, street legal version of the bike you can tell it's like yeah, they all they really cared about—not all they cared about—but their focus was the track, and right. so some of these other things that are more like a consumer product that you would you would like to have and stuff like that—it's kind of been lower on their priority list. And uh, but you know the benefit of that is you, you you get the performance of of the top of the line stuff, and it's really you know that that's what's a real joy to, to ride.
2: Yeah, you hit it on the head. I mean, I was uh, I was lucky enough to be at a corporate for Harley-Davidson and hosted by Bill Davidson and the vice president of engineering for the LiveWire group. And um, I asked him, I point blank, I said, why the LiveWire? He goes, you know, it's an opportunity. Harley-Davidson has always been a company that likes to innovate, likes to invent, likes to go into new markets. And this is just another opportunity that we see. So putting an m- electric motor in, in a bike is something that is dear to our heart. And then the uh, vice president of engineering comes over He says, and we were set out to develop the best handling Harley-Davidson we can get our hands on. You just proved that right now how you were zipping through traffic. Really fine, no issues determined. That's what they achieved. And I think I think they did, did a good job for being a motorcycle company not known to build performance bikes that made something halfway They're the middle.
0: They're, 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 they're really killing it. They're really killing it because I was having the conversation with the guys from BMW, and they were like, you know, this – the R18B that looks like the streak line, there's a lot more they can do. Like everybody agrees it's an 80% bike, but they're selling it right now. And on the contrary, you look at Harley Davidson and you look at that Pan America, the first time they did that. And I mean, every review is just, they did a really good job for being their first time on this,
2: the stats and are uh, the stats are. It's the number one sold adventure bike in the world. Right? It's it's fucking in it's in the, in the U.S. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, that, that well, it's always going to be in the U.S. Period. I mean, I, I think California by itself is like number one state in the world that sells the most bikes. and Los Angeles is like number one in the world, or Los Angeles is like number one in sales, and California is the number one period of motorcycle sales. So it's usually always going to be here. But, uh, you know, I was with Rawhide and they do all the BMW training. And, you know, before they got it, they were like, we're going to get Panamericas too. And they have Panamericas now, you know, so they, they, they did a great job. And the Livewire, like I told you earlier, this is the furthest I took it. I feel 60% comfortable with the bike, you know, compared to the three rides that I did before this. I could imagine once you get to that 80, 90 and I'm like at 100%, that thing does perform it was one of the first things I said when I was going to Malibu. I was like, this suspension's really fucking good. And this is a good suspension. The handling. Oh, you yeah. you haven't tuned that because it you, you can adjust the suspension. Yeah, no, no. no. Fully I, adjustable. I, I, yeah, adjust it to my, my weight. I haven't, I haven't done any of that. So, yeah, I, I, today is the day I've liked
1: it the most. <laughs> Oh, Today's good. the day I like it the most.
2: Well, maybe we should join us for a little five hundred mile ride. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, let we, me know. we just need to spend a day out in the canyons. You know, just go out to Malibu. We we know where one of the best chargers in the in the in the area is, right next to our yeah. our lobster rolls. Just spend a day out there riding uh, up in the canyons. That's where you're really going to fall in love with the bike because the the way these things flow through the twisties, and and, and without throttle. the traffic. Uh, it, it will change the way you think about riding motorcycles because the, the torque is always there. You're, whenever, like we were passing people today, whenever you need to pass somebody, it's just you don't even think about it. You're, you're, your mind and your body just goes, yeah. and the bike is there with you. You don't have to worry about shifting. And spending a day, and, and I've, I've come up here just to do that, and at the end of the day, you're like, wow, that was some of the most unique, fun, different motorcycle riding I've ever done and that's where these bikes i think really excel and and you'll you'll charge it like once you'll you'll go out for an entire morning of riding and you'll want to stop for lunch and while we had lunch today we would be charging the bikes when we're done having lunch the bikes are ready to, to go again and then we'll go all out and do it all over again and that's when you'll be like wow now i get it now i see why now, these things now are I enjoy so fun it. yeah
0: yeah, I, I just really enjoy what the the, the GS. I <laughs> just really because <I> <laughs> because it, it handles the canyons very well and it handles all the off road stuff very well. And I've said this a few times on my show where I, I probably shouldn't, but I I there's traffic and if it's a tight squeeze, I go on the sidewalk. <laughs> I've literally passed by cops and well, like what Nick, like, hey you're like, I'm sorry <laughs> you know what are you gonna do you're not gonna you're not gonna get me and. It, you have, there's no limits, which I, I'm sure you get that that feeling with your Pan America. There's no limits whatsoever. The Harley, the street light, I don't ride as much, but when I do, I go, fuck, this is a great ride too. You know, like I had the BMW at the shop, took the street light to Vegas, and, and the whole ride over there, I was like, this is. Why am I not riding I don't know, we just need more bikes. I tell you what,
1: we, we, we have a joke about N plus one, right? You yeah. like you can never have enough bikes. What's the ideal number of bikes? It's N plus one, which means you always need one more. And the the great thing about being an active rider, you know, now is that and somebody else said this, they're like, they don't none of them suck. You know what I mean? Like they're all great bikes. If you read reviews on the current, you know, major bikes that are coming out right now. It's really hard to, to nitpick them, you know and go, oh, well, that bike's junk, but they're, because they're not. I mean, like virtually every bike out there right now is just outstanding. And I think that's good for us because it gives us so many options. And whether you have two, three, four, whatever you know, is in your garage, they're all going to be great bikes. And it's like what I'm finding right now is it's really hard to choose what do I feel like riding today? you know, and that's just a a pleasure and a, you know, and a luxury that I'm fortunate enough to have. And I feel grateful, but I mean, it, it, it's really neat where the market is right now. If you like to ride, or you think you may like to ride now's the time to do it because the technology there, the safety, the, we talked about analog brakes. We talked about traction control. I mean, what these bikes have on them now stock, they've never, it's never been better. I look at my my uh, Lowrider S, which has none of that, and I think it's it's kind of archaic now to see what the difference is between that and, like, say, what the Pan America or the Livewire offers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when um, ABS came out to Harley-Davidson the first time. It was, like, 2008, and it was funny because, like, all, all the old-school riders were like, <sighs> no, ABS <laughs> sucks. You know, I can break better than ABS. Blah, 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 blah. And obviously, over time, it's like, no, you can You can't. I mean, even then you couldn't, but now it's like, once you have it, it's 2008 was a big year. Or 2008 was when they brought ABS and 2009 was like the first time in 11 or 12 years they changed the frame because they had the same, you know, 1990s, you know, frame with the smaller right. tire, smaller swing arm, everything. So that, that's why I'm always like, what's the technology? What are they doing for safety? What are they doing for traction control, uh, you know, tracking family, whatever the case is. You know, communication, updates, uh, all that fun stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, You're seeing that. You're seeing that. I I, I especially, I mean, it took me 20 years to buy a new bike almost. You know, I waited for 20 years from the moment I had the, the, the V Rod until I found something. The closest I got to on the gas powered bikes, I was looking at the FXDR, which was like the closest to a V Rod that I can get to, but it wasn't quite a V Rod. And then, obviously, a year after they made it, they discontinued it. I said, well, there goes that. But then that same year, they announced that the live wire was coming out. I said, okay, we got something on it because I had, I had already visited the Energica guys and had already seen the zeros, and I was literally to, ready to pull the trigger. And then, obviously, Harley Davidson said, Here, here's ours. It's available now or will be available in, a, in, like, six, seven months. I said, okay, I'll wait. And then, sure as hell, I was lucky enough to get one of the first – Well. The first one in Southern California. In
0: concerned. Southern California, yeah. yeah, I got the first and one, and then you got the 007 one then too. And they right?
2: upgraded me to well, upgraded me to a lower VIN number. So <laughs> how do you call that? Upgraded, upgrade downgrade? Yeah. So I got an earlier production unit, which is uh, number 007 out of the production line. And then three months later, Sean Connery died. So I obviously I themed it 007. So I had parts of the bike. There's a little gun with a 007 logo, kind of bend it into
0: the bike. And and let's let's do this real quick. Uh, Let's do introductions. Uh, Darren, what's your full name or however you want to introduce yourself? Where are you from
1: and how did you get into motorcycles? Uh, My name is Darren Sorensen. Grew up in the Midwest near uh, St. Louis. uh, Small town farm country kind of thing. Um, Grew up riding dirt bikes on farms, on the back roads, gravel, and uh just like any kid growing up you know that was the thing we did that long before we were driving cars and stuff and so it was just an extension of a bicycle to me and a way to get around the farm and and get into town stuff like that so uh nothing real exciting there buying cigarettes for your dad yeah exactly you know (laughs) uh getting to the arcade as a as a teenager to throw some quarters in the old machine and and uh and stay away from the the parents you know but, uh, and then my first street bike was when I was in college. So I was a broke college student trying to, uh, you know, just get by and have beer money. So, uh, instead of having a car, I had a, I had a motorcycle. So I bought a street bike and, uh, just used that as my uh, well, what, daily what, driver. What was the
0: first bike? It was a, it was
1: a 1987 Honda VFR 750. Nice. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my, uh, my, uh, you know, gift to myself, uh, little background. I, I I grew up um, flying airplanes and uh, ended up doing that in the Air Force uh, for 20 years. So, as a if thank you, you for your service, thank man. you. Um, but back in that time frame, of course, uh, the first Top Gun came out. So oh, yeah. uh, everything is Top Gun. The, every teenager who wanted to fly fighters was doing all the Top Gun stuff. So, of course, me being a, a, a young college student, uh, the the movie's super hot. Everyone's uh, doing this. So of course I had the leather jacket, I had the Ray-Bans and I had the sport bike, you know, so I was doing my best Maverick as a 21 uh, year old running around college. Did,
0: did you do any impersonations or anything? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't do
1: impersonations, but uh, you know, it, like I said, it was a popular thing and you know, it was fun. Uh, I, I had no idea that, um, you know, that kind of my life would take such a parallel to the movie for in a lot of ways. Um, would you say that. they wrote the movie based on your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> Almost. No, but Almost. there's there's so many similarities that we could do a whole show on that. But it but it was That's it was so part awesome. of my passion, you know, which which was just to enjoy things that uh, obviously I have this thing uh, for speed and other things. I was telling Diego at lunch, he said, How fast have you gone? And I said, Mach one point eight. There you so, go. Uh, the fastest
2: yeah. human that I've met.
1: And, and directly into the yeah. Mic. The
2: fastest human that I've met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So,
1: uh, so the bike so. is a is a pretty close <laughs> second. You know, when you talk about uh, the thrill of flying aircraft like that, that can perform like that. I mean, if you look at you know some of the, the the highest performing motorcycles. I mean, that that's the these are them on an electric scale. You know what I mean. So it's um, uh, that has just kind of carried through. You know. As the years have gone by, and so it's just kind of been uh, an interesting journey to parallel things uh, on the road on motorcycles as well as in the air.
0: Now, do you find any limitation? I mean, I'm sure you find limitations riding a motorcycle compared to flying a plane. But like, if you look at it in the sense of, um, and flying a plane is very three dimensional because you can go any, you know, anywhere really, and riding a bike or a car it's it's really two-dimensional like it's just left right straight
1: it, it, is that does that bother you or it's just like they're just two separate things or uh like, they they are two separate things obviously, in, but in that regard you know but um that there are a lot of similarities in terms of you know how you ride and the mindset that you put yourself in and the focus that that riding is uh, especially, you know, um, if, if you go to the track, if you're out in twisties, I mean, there's so many things with motorcycle riding, splitting that, that lanes. Split, lane splitting in California that requires very, very high levels of focus. You're not going to sit there and daydream and look around while you're lane splitting in California on the four Oh five. Right. Same thing in the twisties going around blind corners on the track going fast. Uh, there's so many similarities. So when, when you think about, kind of the human nature and the skill and the focus and the discipline, that's where you see a lot of the commonalities and and how you are constantly thinking and analyzing what your eyes are telling you, what's in front of you, and how you're maneuvering so specifically. I mean, you are, and, you know, it, the more you push the bikes, the more you, you're realizing that, oh, I need to scoot over six inches. You know, when you're starting to think about that, then then there's you're starting to think like a fighter pilot because that you're constantly doing that and we used to say that flying fighters was a three-dimensional chessboard you know that you could just keep stacking uh, right up and up because there's always another dimension to what you have to be processing so riding like that is is a very similar
0: i, I i've always uh, mentioned that again i just said it so many times on the podcast but If it's super cold, if it's super hot, if I'm tired, whatever the case is, even walking towards the bike, there's always like a little bit of fear, but the moment it turns on, there's just this and and it's like, I'm looking at everybody's mirrors pointing at the sky for whatever stupid reason. I should be able to see their faces. I'm seeing people eating. I'm seeing this car's tires starting to turn. Like it's, it's. It is almost
1: three-dimensional, I guess, yeah. And people who don't ride can't relate to that because when you're driving a car, you're probably not looking to that level of detail. But that's so critical when you're riding a motorcycle because those are the things that are going to save your life. So it's it's really uh, amazing when, when we look at you know overlap um, in, in professions like that because I used to say the same thing when I was walking to a jet. You could be joking around with your buddy. You could be telling stories. You could be talking about what you did at the bar last night. But when you climb up the ladder and you climb into the jet and you strap it on. You mean the cockpit? The cockpit. Come on. (laughs) And you sit down. There's this moment like when you throw the leg over the bike, right? And when we would start the first engine, that's when everything clicked. And it was a transformation in focus because all of a sudden there's no more joking. There's no more joking around about what we did in the bar last night. It's all business and it's all focus. And the job required it. You know, you can't go just like you shouldn't go ride half-assed. You know what I mean? You you, you you shouldn't do it. And, and that's one of the kind of the unique things that I feel like kind of keeps me going and keeps me into it because, you know, I feel that those same feelings.
0: Yeah. And, and that's why I bring up so much the cold one, because I've been in situations where it's just late at night, it's freezing. I can't even focus. And I'm like, all right, guys, I, I got to go. But again, once you turn on the bike and you start moving... You're moving, and wind's blowing at you. It's even colder. I don't feel any of that. It's, it's just... And again, I've tried to explain this to so many people, but people don't get that. People don't get that. Diego, you've been on the podcast, but please introduce yourself one more time. And and, right. and, and again, how'd you get into bikes?
2: So, my name is Diego Cardenas. Um, I'm originally from Cali, Colombia. And back then, back in the
0: 80s, when I got my first bike. Do, do Colombians always have guns in their hands, or that's just the coincidence? It, 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 <laughs> it's like... It no. just <laughs> happens to just Don't I just point, make sure that. That, don't that, you point guys, that at me. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs>
2: don't do it shit. has bullets. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, so back then, uh, my first experience was, was with the 125cc Kawasaki, which is pretty much the, the motorcycle that I could afford. Cars were too expensive. And over there, you know, uh, motorcycles are seen as nuisances. So cars, instead of splitting out of the way, they would split into the way. So you had to be really keen and aggressive and defensive and offensive at times to be able to get so that whole getting on the sidewalk and you know waving to the cops i mean it's like it's you need it to do it because it's either that or the car will knock you out of the road you know so so i've been riding since uh mid 80s or so um uh, my first real bike was here was a what is it early 90s no late 90s early 90s early 90s a uh, nighthawk 650 i think it was a blue one uh, nice bike, and then I think they were all blue. Yeah, because because I had a Nighthawk, like I had like an
1: '86 <laughs> blue and black. I think yeah. they did blue and black, and, and they had a, like
0: the red letter trim or yeah, something. Like yeah,
2: Nighthawk 650 beat that to uh, to death, and then uh, there was an opportunity to jump into Harley Davidson, which I had never thought I could ever afford. You know, at the time, you know Harley's always been seen as the premium bike, and uh, got and into it. Back then, a, was yeah, hard to get yeah. into. So one of the guys who I worked with upgrading as they say I got the sportster 883 deluxe you know you know with bags on the side and the systemR I'm like oh okay but uh yeah I, I thought it was nice but it wasn't compared to the Nighthawk it was it wasn't as fast so I kind of held on to that for a while and then harley wasn't fast uh, no it wasn't <laughs> what <When? laughs> so then uh in O two, this uh discovery video channel so discovery Channel had this video on the on the on the V rod and I saw that video and I'm like oh God, that's the bike I want Because it wasn't exactly a chopper Which was with stuff that was, everybody was buying but Yeah, West Coast chopper ex- exactly. I, could, I couldn't afford a $70,000 bike But at the same time, I didn't see myself on a sports bike either So I tried looking for one Couldn't find one in California ended up bringing it from out of state uh, It was some guy who bought it Didn't like it Returned it with like 30 or 40 miles and The I wife it. was like, it's me or the bike <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
2: oh. The then wife <laughs> didn't say that much uh but um but uh kept it for 20 years until the live wire showed up in my life you know i've been following it for a while as you as i told you in the past podcast and when they finally made it i said i i have to have it i mean this is just an extension to what i already enjoy which is riding my ev car yeah uh, and, and people ask me you know what but what's the difference between riding an ev bike and an ev car i go and Darren can contest to this, is it's it's when you're in a new car like a Tesla, or, you know, Plaid, whatever it is, yes, you get the Gs, you get the power, you get all that performance, but you're cocooned inside a shell. On these things, it's you, the elements in your face. You feel every single piece of forces, smells, sights, sounds, lights in front of you, prime time. So the biggest thing that I tell people is like, have you ever been launched off in a, a roller coaster? I go, Same way. The only difference is you're in control now. You're not letting the roller coaster take you around. So that's how I got into bikes, and ever since then I've been pushing this electric bike to pass what it's supposed to do. You know, I've done two cross countries. Hopefully, three in this year. We do multiple, multi-hundred mile runs for us. Going out on the electric bike, we (laughs) we don't really don't go less than two hundred
0: eighty miles on a ride. And and that's and that's one of the reasons you actually put this together. You have an event coming up that you're doing. What what's that about? so
2: uh well tell them about to, the group first of all
1: yeah we it's it started in uh basically southern california we uh and it was you know it was just kind of uh by chance really because uh when i made the decision and i had been following the uh, live wire and other electric bikes for a couple of years but when i actually kind of ordered mine and and was expecting it fairly soon uh, about two years ago now i started figuring out all right well who else has one and who am I going to ride with? You know what I mean? And so yeah. I started looking online I started trying to figure out who else had one around. And we started picking up, you know, people here and there, uh, online and in person and stuff. And so we just kind of got like a little Facebook group together for, uh, for Southern California and, uh, met Diego through that. And, and we just started kind of getting together and doing what b- bikers do. We ride. Right. And yeah. so, we would do things on the weekend fights and drink. Yeah. Go to bars and beer. And and so um, take people's girlfriends away. We started just going crazy places. Right. And, and we figured out that um, the current technology, just like with the cars doesn't really limit you. Like a lot of people think it does. Like a lot of people think, Oh, well you just have to charge it in your house and you know, maybe at work or something like that. And you can't really go very far in. And I'm like, none of that's true because We've all discovered the same things with a car, with an electric car. You know, we've driven across the country and we've, we've shown that the, the electric cars these days can do basically anything that a gas car can do. You, there's really not many places you can't take one. So I said, you know what? The, we can do basically the same thing with the electric motorcycles now. These, they, they, they fast charge. They don't charge just like plugging into a wall outlet. They'll charge in 20 or 30 minutes to get you going again. It doesn't take all day. And so we said, well, what were some cool places we could ride? And so two years ago, one of the first places we did is we put together a little ride to uh, to go to Vegas because uh, one of our one of our uh, group members, one of our our friends, are, had ridden uh, an older bike. It was a zero, but it it could not fast charge. So every time he stopped, it was like a two hour stop. But he did this several years ago, and it took him like I don't know seven or eight hours. I can't remember to get to Vegas. So he said, well. Now we have a baseline. Let's see how long it will take a new bike, you know, a current day bike with this faster charging. And so we put a group together and we had like five or six guys on these bikes and we rode to Vegas and we show up in Vegas on electric motorcycles and it only took us like uh, four or five hours.
0: Four or five hours, most of us.
1: So with what like two stops.
0: A, with, with a stop. With, with, with yeah. two, stops. two
1: stops. What, Baker and uh We, we stopped Barstow. In, uh, in Barstow, basically Barstow and Baker, and then you can make it to, to Vegas. So Vegas. And so our friend who had spent like all day or day and a half or whatever going to Vegas, he's like, wow, that was like six that's hours true. faster than what he did. So it was a good benchmark to go, look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's only like probably an hour longer than – than um, Typical car. uh, other cars or other electric cars or something like that uh, yeah. going the same distance so we had fun we got an airbnb we we uh we we rented out we spent the whole weekend in vegas and rode back and then guys were like all right where, where, where else can we go so last year we said okay well let's double it instead of going to vegas let's go to reno so Fuck. we We had a, and we do kind of like a race where it's, you know, there's prizes and stuff like that. So we have fun, but you know, we're, we're, we're testing to see not only can we get there, but how, how long would it take us to get there? And so, um, yeah, we had a group of guys that raced to, uh, to Reno. We started in Disneyland. It was about 500 miles and you can pick your own way to go. So you guys just start at the same point. We start at the same okay. point, but you could have gone up to 5. You could have gone up to 99. You could have gone up to 395. You could have gone to the airport, put your bike the You could have, pain. yeah. <laughs> uh, but everyone rolled into reno that night and we we're like and how do you how are you still you, you're monitoring mileage or yeah well previously it's been all time-based so we all right. start at the same time and then we're sitting there at like the reno sign or the vegas sign with a stopwatch and we're seeing how you know the where guys your, are that's your, and okay. we can track guys live via iphones and gps and stuff like that and yeah, yeah. text messages and stuff so we would clock guys as they come in and Very and uh so it's a fun little event, you know, and then we spend all weekend in Reno drinking and gambling and having fun, and we ride riding. around, ride around uh, Lake Tahoe, uh, and then we come back. So there's such an interest. Like every year, people you, are like, you, "Where you are we ride, going now?" You, you ride first, yes. then you go gambling, and yeah, drinking, we park the bikes, riding. Yeah, we park the bikes, Put the helmets and, away. And, uh, and... <laughs> yeah, and then and then we're just tourists at that point. That's right. So everyone said, "Okay, well, gee man, we got to top that. What are we going to do this year?" So. Uh, this year we're doing the, uh, we're we calling it the, the bridge, the bays. Um, so we're starting in San Francisco because there's a pretty equal amount of riders up there that have electric motorcycles. So we're going to actually it's big up there. start up there because last year they kind of came down to us. We had several mm-hmm. riders that came down from San Francisco to ride with us to Reno. So we say, hey, look, we'll come to your backyard. We'll start in San Francisco. We're going to start on the Golden Gate Bridge and then we're going to ride down to San Diego. So the finish line in San Diego is going to be the bridge that goes over to Coronado. And then we're going to finish on the island and then, and then stay on the island for the weekend. Um, and so that's coming up in May. Uh, we've got even more riders this year than we did last. We've got a lot of interest with uh, the bike manufacturers and other sponsors and folks that, that want to support this. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have a great time. We're, we're going to ride basically another 500 miles between bridges and uh really it's you know it's multi-purpose it's 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 bringing these two groups together uh we've got a lot of friendships that f- people that we've met that are up in the bay area uh so we get to ride with them we get to bring them down to our neighborhood and show them around san diego some places they've never ridden before so that's going to be fun and then um yes we're going to get to showcase the bikes as well we're, we're most likely going to have yet another manufacturer participate So there's a company called uh, Lightning Motors that's uh, up in the Bay Area, and uh, they're going to uh, provide a bike, and and the the actual CEO of the company says he's going to ride with us down. That's awesome. So um, uh, we've got huge support from them. Uh, and Live, the other manufacturers Livewire stepping up now. Uh, Livewire is going to host our um, our kind of our award ceremony and, and uh, day yeah. in, in Coronado yeah, or in San Diego. San Diego yeah, yeah. so Livewire has been very interested. Energica is going to support us, and uh, and hopefully Zero Well as well.
2: And these are the same companies of three years ago. We knocked at doors. Hey, we're planning on doing this. Have fun <laughs> well they thought
1: we were crazy but right but what they've well, what, you guys are what we've shown them though is that you can do things like this and it's not crazy you know what i mean right. like we're, we're not
0: well if you're consistent if and, you succeed and, and here's the we're, difference we're not going 150 exactly. miles an hour and, and we're not
1: what, you know we're not wheeling down the freeway you know what i mean it's it's a very here is, event. just
2: to kind of give you an idea most people because we used to call it a cannonball run and you know cannonball kind of Yeah, You You, you would think, oh, Cannonball, these guys are going to be doing 150 (laughs) miles per hour down that freeway as fast as they can. Well, true and false. True, yes, you're going to max out the speed of what you feel comfortable that the bike's going to let you do to get to the next charging station. Then it's up to you how to leverage how long you're going to stay at that charging station. So basically, at the end of the day, it's not who who, who rides the fastest or who can throttle the fastest. It's who can have the least amount of time not moving that bike
0: yeah well and and then just for a lot of the listeners um because i I have a lot of people that don't ride motorcycles but the cannonball runs are usually um activities that people take upon themselves and they have to ride a certain amount of mileage so for example a thousand miles and whoever can get the best time well no those are iron butts oh those are the iron Iron butts cannonball
2: cannonball officially is a race that started back in the 70s um, people boycotting the whole pricing of, of the gasoline back in the 70s that they started doing these cross-country runs, which were highly legal. Obviously, it's as fast as you can. And there's right, as fast, out, as, yeah. as fast as you can. And the records are stupid records right now. I think the, the last record on on a, on a car was like, what, a day and a half or two days, something like that. You look at it. For how
0: many miles? Th- two, th-
2: almost 3,000, 2,800 something.
0: Darren can beat the <laughs>
2: Well, I took a 1. crack. At I, 1. 8, uh, I yeah. took a crack at it last year, and I did the two thousand eight hundred seventy-five miles in seven days. Yeah. So, so it, it is hell raising, but our our runs are more like rallies now, and that's what we call it. It's a rally because at the end of the day, it's it's a ride to get down to San Diego yes as fast as possible but obviously you can't really throw the bike Right, the Cause, bike's cause, not gonna make it. you gotta have strategy like, because on there an electric there. That's, bike that's the challenge if you
0: them. go too fast you're gonna you're gonna burn out your battery and, no, you're not, not burn make, out you're your not, battery you're, you're, you're gonna, not gonna, you're gonna, gonna make you're gonna, it you're gonna drain it yeah and you're not gonna make it to that charging station you got to or, stop sooner or you're gonna get so, to a, so a, to this is this is like the the turtle the turtle and the rabbit race kind of ordeal where you just have to be consistent so the strategy
1: does play a huge part of it and that's what makes it interesting because it's not just who has the fastest bike, and so that's one of the things that we're specifically going to do this year is try to level the playing field because we do want to make it as inclusive as we can. So even if you don't have you know the most expensive bike with the biggest battery and the biggest motor that can go the fastest, you, you still can participate. You can still make it to San Diego, and you still have a chance of winning. Uh, you know, in, in the prizes and stuff like that that we're going to have. So. Uh, we are going to alter it a little bit so that, um, you know, it, it it just doesn't matter what bike you're on, but what strategy you employ. And if you play the game right to, you know, to to get the most points and stuff like that. So because we, we've done this now, we've done two trips to Vegas where, you know, we're going against just strictly time. And we pretty much know how that's going to work out. We went to Reno, we pretty much know how that's going to work out. So we don't want people to just be like, "Oh, I don't I don't want to go hang out with you guys. I don't want to go on this ride because I know how it's going to turn out." Yeah. Right? So you got to keep mixing it up a little bit. You got to keep it interesting. And and so we're doing this to get the most amount of participation because you know, the, the who gets there fastest is is kind of trivial at this point. What we really want to do right. is show people what's possible on the on the biggest variety of bikes because if I can show you that it doesn't matter what brand you're on, if you're on a Zero or an Energica or a Livewire or a Lightning or any other brand, I can show you that you can ride from San Francisco to San Diego. You can cruise down the PCH. You can go through Big Sur, some of the most beautiful country and uh, scenery and stuff in the country. And you can do it on these current stock production motorcycles that you can walk into a dealer and buy today. They and know. that's what most people don't understand. That and and the
0: other thing that I was telling uh, the gentleman at the Livewire that they're so easy to ride. I mean, you, you, you don't yeah. have a clutch, you don't have gears to shuffle through. If you can ride
1: a bicycle, you can ride an electric motorcycle. It's so the easy. End. The Period. end. Period. 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 We're done.
0: There's no question about it. Do you think they're going to ease up on on the uh, license requirement for like you know kind of like a scooter because you don't need it for a scooter, and
1: it pretty much does the same as a scooter except it's a little faster. Or a lot faster, but. I, I don't know where you draw the line, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. even though they're easy to ride, they can be extremely high performance. So even, you know, an, the most entry-level electric motorcycle can probably do 100 miles an hour or close to it. You well, know the I mean? Saunders is going to be 85. So what you don't want is what, there's a certain person who's wrecked his e-bike twice now who's been in the news a lot. And, you know, you can hurt yourself even on kind of the small e-bikes if you don't appreciate what's you know, underneath you in terms of horsepower and specifically torque. Right. So th- I do think there needs to be something that that people have to go through, whether it's a licensing or training or something like that. And it's not that they're hard to ride. It's it's just an appreciation of the power, you know, so that you don't hurt yourself. So it's more I, of a safety course. I've yeah. ridden
2: a couple of times with a local LA group. They have all these e-bikes, you know, like the Sondors, these lower like the Onyx is, the uh, what do you mean lower? Well, it's not, bikes, see, electric motorcycles that don't require a license to ride. Right. Because they're considered, as long as they have pedals, they're considered bicycles. Right. So it's a
1: bicycle,
2: exactly, it's a bicycle that does 80 miles per hour. So, you know, and. But a Suron
1: can do 80 miles an hour and it has pedals.
2: Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So these guys are are, are literally on the streets, on the sidewalk, on the street, on the sidewalks, cops can't do anything because they have pedals. They get to dirt roads, you know, like any other bicycle. They're pedaling it and they don't get, I can't do that. Are
0: you saying we should put pedals on live wires?
2: No, I'm saying we should put, I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm what say, saying, what wait, saying wait, is that. Are you that. saying we, we should, should make a pedal to kit <laughs> So you don't that they get could specific.
0: buy on your website? <laughs> yes. For 49.99, And then they don't have to and get And we'll license. install it for 20 bucks, <laughs> and they can ride on sidewalks? Jesus Christ. <laughs>
2: no what i'm saying what i'm you know what i'm trying to get here is uh, there has to be that difference you know there's some of these bikes like i said 100 miles per hour in less than seven seconds you know so there's got to be some sort of training for you to understand what is right and what's wrong because when i seen these guys on these bikes they don't care about pedestrians they don't care about lights they don't care about stop signs they'll just yeah yeah and and i'm having to stop i'm watching these guys just whoosh by me i'm like at 30 40 miles per hour because they have pedals. Right.
0: And you know? they're not wearing proper helmets, and they're not wearing there proper you go. gear. I have to, kind of. They're wearing vans, you know, they're dressing up like... So, so,
2: so, yes, to answer your question, this should be, I mean, regulation. I, I
0: think I think there's going to be a lot of changes, especially, like, the whole thing that Elon Musk is facing right now. You know, he's releasing the Cybertruck. The first design was no rear-view mirrors. And it's like, well, Cal, you know, the laws of the United States is you have to have rear-view mirrors. And now he has to put rear-view mirrors. But it's like these cameras have proven that they're better than rearview mirrors anyways. Uh, Plus the sensors, plus, you know, whatever, infrared, no infrared scan, whatever, no scan. It's, It's so much better. I've given my opinion on this show many times about how I think it's time for us to have smart cars that drive by themselves because I trust them a whole lot more than humans, especially when you split lanes through thousands and thousands and thousands of cars and you see people fighting on the phone and texting and eating and they're just so distracted but what do you guys feel about self-driving cars do you think it's good for motorcyclists or do you think it's still scary or not yet
1: uh i'm actually a big fan so i've had a tesla for six years and um it's one of the greatest things that sold me on the car uh outside of its pure performance so the The ability for that thing to, you know, whether you call it autopilot or not, for basically it to drive and monitor itself going down the freeway, I think uh, more times than not is going to prevent accidents. You know, and sometimes, um, like you said, the real equation. Uh, that a lot of people don't think about is taking into account how distracted people are today. And if we could really monitor that real time, it would scare the living shit out of you, especially yeah. as a motorcycle rider. So I do think there's uh, some benefit to it. I, I, I do think that uh, it, there's a lot of purpose. Uh, I do think it will lower accidents. And, and in, in all aspects, I think it's going to make it safer for other drivers and other motorcycle riders out there. I agree. What do you think? I,
2: I'm into it, too. But the issue is we have something called the human factor where not everybody believes in it, not everybody. So you cannot mix both worlds and expect the perfect result, which is what we're seeing now. You know, right. oh, I had my car on autopilot, and still, you had an idiot who came over and sideswiped you.
0: But the question is, would you trust a self-driving car? Would you trust a freeway full of self-driving cars while you're on a motorcycle or humans? Oh, yeah, all day long. If the freeway was
2: full of self-driving cars, if you right. had humans inside that mix, no. Yeah. There's just no way I can do that. I mean, uh, I'm a technology by trade. It's just so much. It's just I mean, so much. Uh,
0: the, the way the cars communicate, you know, like if you wanted to switch lanes, the cars, hey, psh, this car's coming through, they open up. like it, it's, And now
2: cars are talking to each other. I mean, next generation vehicles are all going to be doing, you know, this whole cloud connectivity where they know that. This guy is a Ford, and he's talking to the Ford that's a few miles ahead, and the Ford is notifying the real-time traffic <laughs> group. It's, it's yeah. stuff that's going to be people are going, like, oh, my God. Well, the, the,
1: uh, the cyber, not the cyber truck, but the semi, you know, was advertised to have a convoy mode, which means that the trucks are talking to themselves. So that's kind of like the next generation what of do you mean technology. What mean talking to themselves? Well, like there will be a convoy of, uh, say, 10 uh, semis, uh, Tesla semis, and they will all be in a row and they will all be talking to each other so their autopilots are all talking to each other they're on sync so that they can travel in closer distances for better efficiency yeah right and that reduce drag so it's going to be like a train on the freeway wow so there's huge benefits to that when you think about when we start making when we say a smart vehicle right that's a vehicle that's talking to another vehicle out there so there's a lot of benefits if if my bike is communicating my position to other Uh, connected vehicles on the freeway and they know I'm lane splitting, they might automatic at some point they might automatically scoot over making a bike lane for me in the middle. I mean, that's possible and really not that hard. We have aircraft that are basically doing similar things in the air right now. So we have, we have um, unmanned aircraft that are acting as air refuelers. And one of the things that we have done with prototypes is we have an unmanned drone Full of gasoline that is going to pass has passed gas to a, another unmanned drone in the air by themselves because they're communicating and they're position keeping off of themselves. So Summation. the technology is phenomenal on what we could do, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of vehicle safety on the freeway. It just goes back to uh, the current
0: laws and regulations and limitations and all that other bullshit that we have to deal with. It could take years. I mean, it could change oh, quick, but it could take years. I, uh, yeah. this, I'm going to throw a random curveball at you. Um, my brother, he was in the, the Navy. Uh, he was in Coronado. He was then based on the USS Abraham Lincoln, you know, um, what do you call it? Aircraft carrier. Oh. I've heard that the airplanes or the jets in the Navy are kind of more advanced than the Air Force planes because they have to land on a aircraft carrier. You know, and that just in that sense, we're not talking about the weapons and the B2s and, you know, but is it how far is that statement from being true?
1: Well, it is true that those aircraft are different uh, and they make them specifically, like you said, uh, they have to be beefed up uh, to land on an aircraft carrier. So the suspension and take
0: off from a, uh,
1: a little bit. Yeah, but it's more it's more in the landing because that's where the greatest forces are. So, for example, they don't flare when they come in to land on an aircraft carrier. They literally point a, a pick a spot on the, on the deck where they have to land so that the hook catches the wire at the right spot. So there's no finesse to that. They have to literally drive in until they hit this spot or, or the whole system doesn't work. So that puts an extreme amount of stress and G on that landing gear. So if you actually look... And, and to let's, the pilot, no? Like, yeah, there's a little bit, but the gear absorbs most of it. But if you look at the suspension and the tires and everything else on a Navy aircraft, it's like looking at an off-road uh, or, or Outback uh, airplane. You know, it's like they're thick, they're massive, they're bigger. And all of that is to take the stress. And then if you look at a, a like a an F sixteen for the Air Force, which has to do none of that, it almost looks like tricycle, you know, toy gear because <laughs> the wheels are smaller, <laughs> the struts are smaller. You know, it doesn't. Speak <laughs> Be <gone>. up. <laughs> because and then you're, but, but you're but it's not necessary. Yeah. You know. <laughs> because when an F-16 comes into land, he's going to flare, and he's going to just float this thing in, and the wheels are barely oh. going to touch, you know, and there's no stress on, gonna the, on the He's going to jump out of the plane, yeah, fly. Yeah, and then he oh, fixes oh. his and hair, and he puts <laughs> his scarf up. He put and those, and those Ray-Bans, stuff. his leather jackets. Then he jumps bike.
0: on his motorcycle
1: with a beautiful girl saying, here you go, go home. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. Okay, so there's, I know it's random as fuck. <laughs> and the so they are, they are
1: different. And then the other thing is sometimes uh, the wings will be different because the wings will Fold, fold up so that they fit on the carrier deck and, and below better. So there's a lot of differences in, in those kind of aircraft. If we're talking about the Marines, a lot of the Marines will have a vertical landing capability, which makes them way different. So uh, for the example, the Harrier or the, the new F-35B, which can literally land vertically on an aircraft carrier and stop, that motor actually rotates 90 degrees and then, and then basically is blowing straight down. And then it's got computer systems that make this thing hover almost hands-free. You're literally flying this thing and you're just telling it, hey, move a little bit over to the right or move a little bit over to the left. And the autopilot is doing everything else for you. So in that regard, that is a lot of additional technology that the Air Force jets don't have. What's
0: happening, because I've been asking for this for so many years, you see those two airplanes, the ones that you're talking about flying through downtown every single day. And I've even been at Universal Studios and I'll see it fly over Burbank. And then it goes all the way down towards the 5. And it flies over the mountain every day, like between 1 and 2 o'clock.
1: I have no idea. I have no, no idea. Oh, it's a secret.
0: Every day it's like is it slow or what what? it's slow and they're low too but it's 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 that one airplane that has the you know the oh the v22 osprey yeah and and it's flying just like that it's always two of them yeah, or or the big helicopters and there's always two of them and they just fly over the valley and you can see them go all the way up to five and then they go past the hill every day and i'm like where the fuck are they coming
1: where did they start from and where are they going I don't know. They're most likely Marines. Um, they may be coming from Camp Pendleton down near San Diego. I'm not sure, uh, but that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, I, it just always catches my. And sometimes they'll fly over Hollywood. And, like they'll just. Do. Anyways, back to electric vehicles and technology. <laughs> uh, what truck are you deciding on? Because that, I'm that's go a gr- That's truck. a great question. He wants oh, Ford.
1: <sighs> I don't know yet because I don't feel like any of the specs are really final yet. You know, the Rivian is basically um, sort of being delivered now. I just saw one uh, this morning. They've got a lot of neat things that they're doing with the with the Rivian. I, I I have a reservation for the Cybertruck, and I've been waiting for that thing forever. But I still don't feel like I know what the final specs are on it. You know what I mean? I know what they what they told us several years ago, but I, I don't think that's going to be final. Um but yeah, it, it's all going to come down to what, what actually rolls off and is available once it gets to the showroom floor. Uh, I really like um, some of the things that the Ford is doing. Um, so to me, it's all about functionality. You know It's not going to be about does it have a ludicrous mode and, and does it go zero to 60 or something like that. You know I mean, I really like uh, the technology that makes it uh, capable of, of interconnecting with your home or with another vehicle. So the fact that, uh, and Ford is kind of, I, th- I think talking a lot about this, is being able to take your truck home, park it in your garage, and then plug it into your house. And then with a simple cable, now all of a sudden your house is being powered by the battery in your truck. Or if Diego pulls up to my house uh, or to my truck and says, hey, I'm low on charge, I need to charge up my bike, we just put a cable between my truck and his bike and my truck charges his bike up no matter where we are.
0: DC fast charge.
1: Yeah, but charge. but but would it be a separate battery or it'd be the original Same battery? No, it's Same the original battery. 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 But doesn't it waste it? No, not really when you think about it because it just, it it enables so many other possibilities, right? So like maybe we have a couple of dirt electric bikes and we go out to the desert like Brago Springs yeah, yeah. or something like that, right? That'd be you cool. want to have a supply of battery that you can use to recharge your bike because say you go out for two hours and ride your dirt bike right out in Brago Springs and then you come back and want to have lunch well there's no fast chargers out there right so wouldn't it be great if you could just plug your bikes into your truck charge them up while you have lunch boom then you're back out riding in the dirt again and you don't have to drive into town or find a charger anywhere out in Brago Springs so there's a lot of capabilities with that kind of concept and some of, the, some of the newer vehicles are, are taking more of an interest in doing that, you know. So it's not just can you plug it into your home, you know, because most people have power at their house already, so it's not that big of a deal. But what it does is it makes it mobile, you know what I mean? And now you're taking it with you. Because when you look at it, like, for example, my battery is 21.5 kilowatt hours, right? The live wire is, is what, Diego? 14. 14, right? Your truck is going to be like 120 150 who knows it could be 200 billion. it could be 200 yeah. well holy cow if i don't need to drive 500 miles to go out with my dirt bikes i'm going to have a lot of extra battery when i get out there and it'd be nice to be able to do something with it no, so. that,
0: in, in that sense it'd be amazing what would also be cool is you know when when homes have solar panels mm-hmm. once it's full those batteries to to charge to take the charge from the solar panels they cost ten fifteen thousand dollars. right yeah do you think there's a way to grab that and store it into the car or charge the car well, that way? If, if I guess automatically yes, it does do that. It
1: does, but if, if it's now bi-directional, right? Now I get to use it however I want to use it, right? So whether I'm charging my electric motorcycle or my electric car in my garage from solar, I only get to use it if I'm driving my vehicle. But what if I could transform that into using it however i wanted to use electricity wherever i wanted to use electricity and not just make it a one-way door into my vehicle i think that's going to be transformative in how we use a lot of this technology
2: and that's the difference that the new manufacturers are taking unlike tesla because tesla always as a matter of fact they specifically stated on their warranty documentation you cannot use your tesla as a power to power any other type of device the battery pack will automatically void your warranty so people by even plugging in an inverter to your 12 volt they can say nope you vo- you voided your warranty and i understand that i see it i mean tesla has a solar business and they have a Powerwall business so that would be technically competing against their other interests so they decided on you know not doing it and then everybody else is yeah we're gonna do it you know it's just better for us you know it gives more functionality like i said more things that i can do with the energy that i'm Hauling around, you know, so that that to me is, is is really interesting. And that last video you put up a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, where you had one car targeting the other, you know, V to V, that was that's pretty amazing. I mean, there's no reason for somebody to get stranded now. Who, who doesn't want V to V?
0: <laughs> I don't know what that means. Just uh, for the vehicle, record. To vehicle, vehicle to vehicle, man. <laughs> vehicle to vehicle. What are, you, what are you thinking about? I
1: don't, um, I don't know where this conversation is going? Going. going. Where are you I'm, going? I'm
0: happy we haven't had any <laughs> <laughs> drinks. Um, Apple, Apple, I heard a rumor years ago that they hired a team, they're closing them off in a building, they're building a car, nobody can leave, blah, 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 anyway, still haven't heard anything back, and now I heard, rumor has it, that Apple and uh, Lucid are teaming up, what, do you guys know anything about this? No, I heard that, no. that's oh. about He you. looks like he knows something, <laughs> yeah. but
1: he can't talk about it. No, I, I don't know anything, um. And I'd be, it wouldn't surprise me it would be great i think apple has had the resources and the ability to do something for a long time and it's it's kind of a shame that maybe they haven't um you know so i feel like they're a little bit late to the fight but you know it's never too late and and i think you're going to see a lot of these big companies throw a lot of money at this and you know we're everyone's just going to benefit in the end because you know there's just going to be some really cool shit coming out soon yeah I mean, the Lucid looks like an amazing car. It looks I mean, beautiful. It looks clean, I got my sharp.
2: Reser- I got my reservation for mine. I mean, we'll see. You know, once it comes out, I'm still two years away, even though I have a
1: reservation. Yeah. So,
2: it's, it's a great car, great concept. It's luxury. It's, you know, unbridled performance. I mean, it doesn't beat a Plaid, but it wasn't designed to be the Plaid. It was more to be a luxury mobile. And you get all the bells with that. Everybody who I know has driven it say that the driving experience on that is insane. It's so perfect. So... We'll see how it comes out but I
0: mean there's there's one thing I, I love Tesla just the only thing with Tesla now now that this um Hertz deal's going through I I feel like I I don't want to drive a fucking Hertz car you know what I mean like like I I, I really think it kind of cheapen them out you know now now like police officers are going to have it Hertz is going to have it the rental Uber Is going to have it it's going it. to be it's going to be an Uber car I don't want to drive an Uber car they're but, not cheap you know, there are, you know, because uh, right now I have a 2016 Tesla a Model S and we made an order and we're going to be able to get it, I think, now in two months, three months. And it's like a hundred and X amount. It's it's a lot of money and, and it's going to be a rental car or an Uber car. You know, that's where I'm looking at the Lucid. That's where I'm looking at the Audi e-tron GT. That thing looks beast. The Porsche, nice outside, but the inside, there's no luxury. It's kind of like, eh. You know, the Mercedes is doing the S-Class. At $100,000, like, you have other options. W- what do you guys think about that? Do you think uh, that, that deal kind of, like, not cheapened them out. Obviously, it's good for their stocks and the stockholders, but.
1: I, I do think it's changed the company a little bit. Um, you know, it, it was definitely a different experience in 2016. If, if you uh, had a, a Tesla uh, driving around, you rarely ever saw, uh, another car when you did you were like ecstatic and you were waving at them and we all kind of knew each other in our area by on like, first name right i mean char- charging ch-
2: going to supercharges was a social gathering everybody was. get out of the car you'd talk about the car you just show them this now it's like everybody's in the car nobody even looks at each
1: other the the dealer and the service center knew you on a first name basis you know what i mean so it was a very small small community so you know it's great that they've had success um, and please go buy a Tesla because my stock price appreciates it. Um, but, um, <laughs> but it's different, you know there. what I mean? It's different. How many Teslas did we pass today when we were lane splitting? Oh, Probably like 50 or more, you know, yeah. just on the way over here. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a different experience and it all just kind of depends on, on what you are, are looking for, you know what I mean? So, uh, on, on the, I would say on the, on the counter to that, while there's a lot of new startups, I do think there's something to be said about the maturity of a technology, especially a battery technology. And, and what I'm waiting to see is can a brand new company in 2022 deliver to a customer the same EV experience, you know, with range and reliability and, and just functionality, kind of the way Tesla has done. I'm not sure that anyone else it is on par right now when you look at it when you say you take your tesla and you go to a supercharger you don't think about it you don't have to worry about whether the charger is going to start you don't have to worry about if it handshakes correctly you don't have to worry about logging into something or whether or not your credit card's on file or what your balance or is you downloaded the app or or, it, or you've downloaded the right app or if it, if uh, you know the whole system is going to work right And if you're lucky, it's a seamless experience and it, you know, and it charges your car up and off you go, but that's not guaranteed. I, I I have zero concern when I pull up uh, in a Tesla to a Tesla supercharger and I, and just owning the car now for six years, I think that's where they still kind of lead the industry is in, in the overall experience, um, And just the way that everything works together seamlessly. I I think that in my mind is what I'm waiting to see some of these other companies achieve before I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go and, and, you know, like you said, a hundred grand's not cheap, right? A lot of these high end cars are definitely not cheap. So I want to make sure that they're offering the same level of experience and customer satisfaction.
0: Yeah. It it just seems so much money. I mean, like I said, everything's gonna be in that high 100,000. I mean, in those categories, there's really nice cars. I think a Lucid's what, 80 or even cheaper? Uh, it oh, depends. A Lucid I mean, can go way over $100,000. $279,000 yeah. at the to
2: top
0: of the line, $1,100. Speak closer to 11, 11, uh, el- the mic,
2: remember? The Lucid, the top of the line one, it's uh, 179
0: 179
2: So, I mean, but you're getting a car that's doing 520 miles yeah. on a single charge. So they are exceeding certain specs on the Tesla. Um, when it comes to the performance, obviously what people see is that whole zero to sixty. How fast can I get there? Um, they're lagging a little bit behind that, but I don't think that's their motivating factor. The motivating factor is getting range and getting luxury out there to that market segment who who wants luxury. The guy who's driving the Mercedes S five hundred and fifty, you know, that's the guy they're targeting. Right. And the guy from the S five five hundred and fifty is might not like a Tesla because it doesn't have the same fit and finish.
0: Yeah, I'm still pissed. I have nowhere to hang a coat. <laughs> There's
1: no coat hanger. I've been waiting six years <laughs> for a coat hanger. What The fuck? How do you not have a k- Elon oh, a, oh, co- a coat oh, hanger? My, please, my,
2: my wife bitches about not having a. a, a no shit bar. No, no, yeah, yeah, uh, no shit grip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I accelerate, she's like, "Oh my god, please, want to have something here?" I'm, 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 just about ready to bolt something on there for her, so she doesn't bitch about it anymore. Because it's, uh, it's something it's details like that that make some of these higher end vehicles, yeah, uh, where they're at now. Another thing to that story is if you come out with a vehicle and you're trying to compete against Tesla, you better meet or exceed their bottom of the totem pole. So if you're coming out with the new Volvo and the Volvo max range is 250 miles and you're charging the same price that a Tesla's charging for a Model 3 or Model Y, then you're in the wrong bucket, buddy. Right. You're supposed to be at least at te- Tesla charging uh, range and then maybe you can beat them by price point.
0: How how affordable? And, and again, I, I really don't know what your guys' background is. Like, I don't even know why I'm asking this question. It's just you guys seem so knowledgeable on on the EV vehicles. But it must be a lot cheaper than building a fucking car because there's so many new companies coming out left and right. You know that are are like another one I was thinking about that I was watching the other day is uh what is it Vanderhan Vanderhall Vanderhall. You guys, you haven't seen the Vanderhall? No. Yeah, they, they've been, and they've been around for five years. They create little small cars with two wheels. Oh, on the they front. look like little roadsters. Yeah, little yeah, they I've look like them. roadsters, okay. okay? But now they just released a 4x4, like, smaller car in clothes, but it's a 4 by 4 The thing climbs mud. Like, it's, it's like a, a fun adventure, you know, vehicle. It looks amazing. And I'm just thinking, how easy is it to build an electric car? Because everybody's doing it.
1: Yeah, I I don't think the basics are that expensive. For example, you know, if you go online and you look at some of the offerings that are available in China, so if you go outside of the U.S. market, what you see is that these things are out there for way way less. But they're just the bare bones mechanics, you know, what I yeah. mean, of the system. Like for example, you can get a little uh, um, electric motorcycle, pit bike, or something like that for five six hundred bucks. You try to buy that in the U.S. and they'll it it may be the same bike and and they may be trying to get five grand for it. You know what I mean? So there's something that's going on that's trying to take advantage of this, of this time that we're in right now where they're getting a premium for a lot of these vehicles. Um, But that's not the case, you know, in other parts of the world. You know, when you you look at like India or China or other places where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of bikes compared to cars because millions and millions because that's their primary mode. Right. Right. So it's, I think a lot of that is a little bit specific to the kind of the Western culture and stuff like that, the United States and, and Europe and, no, just and the what they want right now. the
0: people that are yeah. companies that are doing it. Fun fact about India. They say there's more Indians on computers than there are American citizens. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <I> wouldn't be <laughs> think surprised. Think about it. And then there was another statistic about they have more gold and blah, 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 blah. Like the gold that they wear. Like if you grab all that gold. It's that just, everybody's wearing. It's just so much more. Yeah, I was in China, I was in Guangzhou. In Guangzhou, uh, we went to the BYD factory. And are you familiar are you guys familiar with BYD? No. it's called build your dream uh they were doing electric cars in 2016 oh yeah they're the
2: biggest they're the, one of the they're biggest hum- out of man, yeah. In China, yeah, they're Yeah, and they're
0: doing and back in 2016 they were doing garbage trucks they were doing uh taxis they, they're, they're building all kinds of stuff and they have new battery cells and solar huge humongous company so i wouldn't now that you said that i wouldn't be surprised if like these companies are teaming up with these you know manufacturers yeah. and with that yeah, and yeah. taking it back to motorcycles, um,
2: as you guys know, uh, Livewire is its own independent motorcycle company. So it's even though it's owned by Harley-Davidson, it operates, it breathes, it yeah, does it's everything. It's a spinoff, right? Yeah, it's a spin spinoff. And just a few months ago, they announced that they're going to go public with it through a, a SPAC deal, basically similar to what Lucid did, where they kind of teamed up with another company and then became a publicly traded company. Harley Davidson is going to retain 70% of this new publicly traded company. The 30% that is left is going to be owned by partners. And one of those partners is a company called Kimco. Kimco is a very, very large manufacturer of motorcycles in In Brazil and in China and (laughs) Brazil and China. So now it goes back to that whole mass market appeal. You know, can we make bikes to anybody and everybody who needs an electric bike? Whatever it is, whether it's a high-end Livewire or a lower-end Del Mar, which is what they call the next generation bike that's coming out. So it goes back to prove that some of these offerings that are outside the U.S. borders are sometimes step ahead and a lot cheaper than we could get now. What the build quality is. Uh, on those fronts I don't know because we don't see those products here right all you can see is the review on YouTube where the guy buys an Alibaba this sports bike and all of a sudden it has a hub motor <laughs> and it doesn't go more than 80 miles per hour yeah. because this is a great Sondors bike but it's there we go with the Sondors cr- again huh? <laughs> it's a crappy <laughs> electric full blown motorcycle right so so to, to my point is that um, the US is not the EV market of the world I guess per capita I guess India China and all these uh, all these other countries are. The question is, what are these companies doing? And I think Livewire is kind of putting their sights already on there because they have, I guess, the the vision, the powers, the intu- intuition saying we jump into these markets before anybody else does and if we have a partner that kind of helps us get into it then we'll be a light years ahead of the other companies that are now trying to kind of seed the United States like the Energica's and and the, the zeros and whoever else is going to come down so i think there it's it's a good move if you start looking at asia but the question is, at the end of the day is no, you know it, it, it's it's
0: a great move my question was more towards like there's been whatever 40 car companies for the last 50 years. That was it. Like if you wanted to start a car company, it was it was impossible. It was impossible. Now you see electrical vehicles. Okay, here I guess I guess I got a better question. There's so many new electrical com- car companies now. Do you think it's because it's very easy to make or do you think it's because it's easy to get funding to start building this? Like you can get because of social media, you get funding or is it all of the above? I, I can't give you an exact answer right now, but a few years ago, uh, I, I was doing a cross country
2: on my Tesla. I was going to New York City, and I stopped at a small town called, I'm trying to remember. But they had, out of all places, the only place where they had a, a destination charger for Teslas, because I was happened to be staying at a, at a family member's house a few miles down. And the only charging station, which was not a supercharger, was a destination charger. You know what? I'll just go plug in over there, leave it parked at this museum's parking lot following day i'll go pick up my car little did i know that I'm the museum uh boyerstown pennsylvania as a matter of fact boyerstown pennsylvania uh mm-hmm. was dedicated to electric vehicles and history of the electric vehicle it's called uh boyerstown historical museum of electric vehicles so the following day i went over there and it was rare for them to see a tesla parked outside charging especially overnight i'm like so I come in, I go, is the museum open? Yeah, come on in. And I got the curator to come down, meet me, shook my hand. Oh, my God, we we're pla- we so glad to see you here. I'm like, it's, it's just a Tesla for me. It's like whatever. But to them, it was rare. And took me through the whole museum. At one given time in the early 1900s, there was more than 3,000 electric car manufacturers in the United States. Back in the early 1900s. That they all dwindled away. They made different types of cars, whether they were horse, you know, converting b- horse and buggies to small utilities. I got pictures on my site where I can show you semi-looking trucks back from the early 1900s. Charging infrastructure—the problem is that all that stuff kind of did away because of the gasoline engine. But the question is, you're asking—is is it just that much easier to build an electric car, or is it harder? And to me, it's easier. I always said that an electric vehicle is a computer with wheels. Technically, it's laptop. It has a screen, it has a processor, has storage, and has a battery. All you did is you slap the electric motor and some wheels on it, and there you go. And you regulate all that through a controller, which is the computer. So to me, yeah, that's why you're seeing now companies coming out of the woodwork. I mean, just at from the last, everywhere. Yeah, just the, you went to the last auto show here in LA, right? Yeah. Eh? There was a new company doing this. There's like 10 new company. Yeah, called VinFast. I'm like VinFast. Never heard of this place. Yep, we'll take your name and number. They've been calling me every day now for a demo ride. I'm like where did you guys come from a demo right how long has well it's like the biggest automotive manufacturer of vietnam they're trying to do inroads into the u.s and show their vehicles and their vehicles aren't that bad looking i mean they look nice they have decent specs the price point is decent so my question is is not more of a how many are there is why are these guys coming jumping up so quickly and we have like the rivians that takes them like 10 years to build a truck or the lucids takes them another 10 years to come out with their luxury vehicle and then you see these vietnamese companies don't oh, here's our car you can test drive it now
0: well it's it's, it's <laughs> back it's back to it's back to the whole thing where the computers taken so long to develop and now like countries like china or india they just copy it you know they don't have to make oh a yeah they're not ing- they're they don't ing- have to make a software they just like oh that's that's what they did we can duplicate this so much easier blah blah blah. everybody gets a computer here's a software so I, I, it might be one of those things what do you think there
1: yeah i again i i don't i'm not convinced that um, all electric vehicles are the same just because it has a battery and a motor you know what right I mean? no no so i i i do believe there's still a uh probably a significant difference in technology um, reliability. Um, Some car companies have had their cars recalled due to fires um, and and haven't resumed production. So some are having some interesting issues that others may have already worked through. Um, But I do think we're at a time where they see the opportunity uh, and they see, you know, maybe this is one of these uh, generational shifts, you know what I mean? Where if, if, if you, if you get to a certain point, you know, you've, you've reached a tipping point for acceptance. And now all of a sudden this, this market, whether it's the United States or Western Europe or wherever, you know, they, they see the demand that's, you know, out there because of this change that seems to be working well for at least some of the companies like Tesla. So if you look at Tesla's stock price over the last like six or seven years, you know, its, it's um, growth is in the thousands. So, I mean, that profit, uh, you know, drives a lot of, you know, corporate greed, if you will, because everyone wants a piece of that. And if you say the, the, the electrical vehicle market in the next 10 years is, uh, you know, trillions of dollars, well, then everyone's going to want a piece of that. So um, I just think it's an interesting time you know and hopefully you know like these these companies that we see at the LA auto show and stuff like that or motorcycles regardless of what they are uh i just hope that the the user has the same experience because the bar i think right now is set pretty high you know if like diego was saying if the rivian's not as good as a tesla if the uh lucid is not as good as a tesla in overall experience uh they're not going to last long. They're not going to sell a lot of vehicles. You know what I mean? So I I feel like, um, that bar is pretty high. So you can't just like throw together a battery and a motor and slap a computer on it. Yeah, it may work, but I'm not sure what your experience is going to be.
0: Is Tesla that much better or convenient? And the only reason I'm asking that is because I'm first thing that comes to my head is Fisker karma. You know, Fisker Karma is a good-looking car, sexy. It was
1: convenient. It was right yeah. there in the beginning, but obviously, yeah, I think it works. You know what I mean? Like, I think the overall experience is uh, the simplicity that that it's it's so simple that it just works. You know what I mean? Like and iPhone, like your iPhone, exactly. You know my what I mean? Two-year-old. Like I've never, I've never been stranded on my with my car or my motorcycle. i I've, I've always been able to get where I'm going. You know what I mean? It's by far uh, the most reliable car I've ever owned, um, in terms of maintenance and reliability and just working. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting when you look at branding and you hear other people start to use that aren't even in the auto industry and they use Tesla as the standard, right? Yeah. They say, we're the Tesla of microwaves. We're the Tesla of TVs. Wow. How did that happen? If you're in marketing, your mind just blew up because you're like, how did Tesla get to be such a gold standard that micro... I don't know what they are, but let's just say microwave companies are saying, you want us because we're the Tesla of microwaves. When I hear that in marketing, I'm like, they've won. Yeah. And how much money has Tesla spent in marketing? How many I'm ads have they run? How many Super Bowl ads has Tesla run? Zero. Why? Because their stuff just works. So I think that's kind of where the line has been drawn and what's really going to challenge some of these companies uh, <laughs> to, to still, stay in business. That's amazing. The,
0: the, the last time you heard anything like that was uh, that's the Cadillac of toasters. That's the Cadillac yeah. of televisions. You know, you're right. And that's an old expression. Like people now are like, what, what does it mean? What's that Cadillac? You know, <laughs> yeah. Cadillacs are amazing. No, Tesla has raised the bar to a whole different thing. I had a conversation with uh, Jean Paul from um, a Patron, Uh, tequila and then he's also Paul Mitchell and he's a bunch of other companies and he had very he was very successful in that sense of he was just focused on community and he never did an ad he never did any placements he never did anything and everybody just started talking Patron 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 (laughs) because when he brought it out in 1987 there was no premium tequila it was Jose Cuervo and we all have (laughs) we remember how bad Jose Cuervo the, the regular stuff so he brought this premium tequila and, he, you know, smile on his face and barred, bar, and walked. And, and it's well, just the service and convenience.
2: You've done the I mean, what they've done and what he's done and what Tesla's done is what Apple did. You know, the great a customer became a fan. And that fan then became a sales rep at the end of the day. So early on, when I first got my Tesla, and you know, I would pull up to a station and start charging up, people would come over and look at the car. Automatically, my Tesla owner hat came off and my I was like repping the car pretty much. And by the way, did you know that I have a link if you buy one? Here, you invite <laughs> buy it under my link. Because yeah, at the end of the day, they motivated you to use your link so you can get bonus, gifts, what they call the loot box, right? A loot box that you used to get. And I know one guy who started this little group on Facebook called Tesla Tips and Tricks. I was an admin in a group for a while. And the guy has over 60,000 followers. He has right now a roadster under his name that's going to be gifted to him. Because of the amount of referrals that he's gotten, wow! So <laughs> they did all this, you know. They 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 built a good product. They built a good following. They demonstrated what they want. Uh, I think another thing that is, is, is what Elon does is, you know, I remember early on when the first two superchargers remember the queues that we had where people used to leave their cars at the supercharger and you're just like what the hell is going on here this guy finished charging like two hours ago and he's still here so a guy out of the bay area hey elon can you do something about this whole supercharger thing people are just leaving their cars here He goes, don't worry i'll take care of it two weeks later he downloads an update where basically they were charging you four four dollars a minute every time you left the car more than you know 10 minutes After after the charge exactly that problem
1: went away. So is that what like it is that. right
0: now? It's four dollars a minute.
1: I I don't know. I don't if know. Is, so but I, but there is an idle fee. Yeah, know, idle fee. Which is no what no them, no. I know. Yeah, I know. They'll I know, charge I know. you uh, it's whatever it's the rate four bucks is, and it may vary depending on where you are. But but yeah. So yeah. He, you it, don't want to leave your. Car I there.
2: I like that that he responded or, or or they took into consideration what people were asking. You know about doing this, how about doing that? So it made that experience just that much better. Yeah. For the consumer, or the end user, as I call them, so or the driver. So
0: so check this out. This sounds so dumb, but fuck it. I lost a key. I have one, I have my Tesla. I have my my spare key somewhere in the car. I I can't find it. I cannot find you it. Get in the car, it still starts and runs. Yeah, one hundred percent. I can't fucking find that key. Anyways, so uh, we left the car outside. We not me. We left the car outside, and somebody went into the car, and you know they they. Anyways, when we get back, in papers are all over the place, and it's that. You know what they stole. The adapter. The, the charger? The charger. The, oh, yeah, the, the converter from j The converter. Yeah, I, I fu- they just took that, and then we need it here for the, the building. And I'm like, I have no way. So I haven't been able to oh charge a God. Tesla for like four or five days. Well, <laughs>
2: well check, check this out. But um,
0: they stole that. And you know uh, what that means, right? It was another Tesla owner Yeah, who took knew it. what was going on. He knew what it he had was to be. For. Like, what the fuck is another guy going to be? Or, or there's like a, a junkie Tesla. Yeah, a junkie, <laughs> a junkie Tesla. Tesla. He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's in the no, come that, out of the bushes. No, so hey, so here's another that? interesting story. There's a <laughs>
2: famous singer down in South America who had a Tesla, and he did the same thing. He left his ski in there and happened to be parked in front of another Tesla, same color as his, that also had the key there. So he left. <laughs> he got into the wrong car. He took off on the wrong car. Obviously, the owner of the old Tesla that got stolen is like, My Tesla's been stolen. The police tracked the car all the way to this guy's house. They go, Hey, you stole somebody's car. No, that's my car out there. No, no, that's not your car. That's somebody else's car make a long story short he took the wrong freaking car because the key was inside when you did the story about my key left inside yeah, so it's we, just
0: it's so slippery and 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 whatever let let's end this podcast real quick with one more thing um i'm gonna jump back to the motorcycles what's your favorite technology gear that you guys like rock like cena ha- headphone do you do you walk do you do any bluetooth yeah, uh, airbag um, vests uh, you know i'm a big
1: fan of the protective gear you know what i mean so um unfortunately i've had uh, one motorcycle accident uh, where i got a few broken ribs broken collarbone spent a few days in the hospital so um I, I would rather wear the protective gear than either a not ride or b be you know kind of afraid to to ride the way i like to ride so um I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, our, um, air vest. I think that's some pretty cool technology. It's basically an airbag that you wear as a, as a, as an inner layer. It's a kind of a vest. It's a zip up. There's a couple different brands, um, that will, uh, inflate pretty much protect your, you know, your core. Some have shoulders, uh, you know, bags that uh, will protect your collarbone area. Some, uh, inflate around the neck to protect the neck area. They all have back protection. Um, the technology, though, is really space age. It's the same gear that they wear in MotoGP and, and professional racing on the track. Um, the, um, you know, the guts of it are, are so high tech that, that it's going to sense um, when you're about to crash and inflate before you hit the ground. And I've never had a false deployment. This, so, this
0: is the one that has a subscription service, right? Uh, no, no. no our,
1: ours is um, um, by Alpine Stars. It's oh. called Tech Air 5. Um, it's one of the major brands uh, that's out there. Uh, we just bought ours outright. There's a couple different uh, sales models. One has a subscription fee. Uh, they're also uh, connected, so they have an app. Um, you can update them online, you know, just like you do anything else. But they're super smart. Like I said, I've never had one. I've never had a false deployment. So when you zip it up and you turn it on, you know, I mean, it's just another layer of protection and, that makes you feel good. it gives you
2: that much more confidence when you're on the road. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to get cocky on the road because I, I I always tell people, you know, you treat a motorcycle like you treat a loaded gun, you know, you just up most, the most respect possible. And what I like, you know, what he said is it's, it's also – uh configurable. So yeah uh, you're taking it away now.
0: I just want to show the camera. Okay. It has bullets. bullets <laughs> right. it,
2: it, it shoots. Like, oh, it shoots.
1: <laughs> so poke <Poking> eye out.
2: <laughs> so um uh, what I like about it is that you can write put the put the vest in <laughs> modes. So right. you can tell hey I'm gonna be in the track today. So the bike uh, the the vest itself will totally change its uh its algorithm to be appropriate for track riding versus oh i'm going to be on the city driving so, right where you hit potholes exactly. and stuff and so there's there's all kinds of stuff so that's what i like about the, uh, the and he's the one who introduced me to it i mean i i never i normally had a real thick leather jacket with the plating on it and stuff like that dude you got to get this and like three months later i dude i got my take care five and i cannot ride without it now if i ride without it i feel kind of edgy and naked like oh, uh, yeah
1: i mean can, can you imagine if if you wreck nowadays and you know you got all busted up in these areas where an airbag could protect you and you're like oh that, that was stupid you know what i mean like i don't know how many thousands of dollars you're going to spend in hotel bills and recovering and stuff like that i would much rather invest it in a vest it's just like wearing a helmet you know it just becomes another layer of gear and it's yeah. um, and it's, it's
2: not a multi-thousand dollar technology i mean back five six years ago when the technology was at moto gp yeah you're talking about what a race uh, racer used to have you know two three thousand dollar vest This things now are sub 500 bucks sub 400 bucks no no it's it's, it's
0: totally worth it i'm i'm, I'm all about i mean gear. if your life is worth
2: you're, 500 bucks 600 bucks then do do it
0: look I, i'm the first one that tells anybody if you're gonna get on a motorcycle make sure you have like two three grand to buy gear period yeah, like absolutely like duck, why would you and, not yeah you and, know and, know and, right? and, and if you're just buying a bike like oh like it, it, you're you're it's not worth it it really isn't worth it, and that's why that's why I wanted to end it like this. Like, what's some of your favorite gear? So I just found out about the vest. I haven't done the purchase yet, but I I will never ride a bike without a helmet, without boots, um, without a, a jacket. You know, I mean, I have, but it's like
1: yeah, so I I feel just like Diego does now because, like you said, once you kind of see it and and, and know that it's there and see the technology, it's now just like a helmet. You're like. Even if there's a day that, I, that I'm that i like, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, you know, because I used to ride sans everything, you know what I mean? I just go out there and I didn't wear a helmet till I was in my 20s just because of the state that I grew up in, you know, so now to wear a lot of gear was totally different than, than how I grew up. But now I'm to the point where it's like, how could I possibly justify, you know, getting in an accident and it may not even be my fault. I could just get cut off lane splitting, easy, but to not have it on. You know, what yeah. I mean, it's like and it's, it's it, trying to justify to somebody that cares about you. You know, like, why are you driving without your seatbelt? Well, here's you know the th- here's
0: the other thing that people don't don't understand. You can drop a bike at two miles an hour and you're going to hurt yourself. Okay. You know, so obviously if you have the right boots, knee pads, suits, whatever, the more you have, the better you're going to be. Cool. I think we covered a lot, guys. Yeah, uh, no, thanks I'll, a lot. And, yeah, and thank I
2: want you to reiterate, you know, May twenty second, our rally. Yeah,
0: so. wh- the the rally. Where where can we get that information? Your website. What's your website that has you know all the comparison stuff? Uh, how how can we find that information about the rally?
1: So uh, primarily, it's it's on our Facebook group, which is a SoCal Electric Motorcycle Owners uh, Group. Um, you can search that and it'll pop up. You can join it. Um, also, uh, Instagram. Um, Diego and I both on Instagram, we were, we're, uh, communicating a lot via that. What's your, habit? uh, my, uh, Instagram is at shockers EV world. So it's shockers with a Z and then EV world. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. The, the, um, uh, we may at some point set up a website if this thing is going to continue, especially if it grows with a lot more support. Um, but right now, like I said, we're, we're a group of, uh, Facebook, uh, electric, motorcycle owners that just love to ride so they're they're super fun if if you see any of the social media stuff you'll just see a bunch of guys clowning around having a good time um, it's not, and it's not v2v stuff like that yeah so um yeah it looks strangely familiar to uh to what guys are used to nice. yeah
2: so yeah uh you can me i'm dcar70 at dcar70 on instagram i'm there pretty much on a daily basis. And I also have the uh, LiveWire Riders group on Facebook, which is also mirroring everything that he's posting on the rally itself. Because obviously the idea is to get as many electric motorcycle people who want to do this, but just don't feel that they can. But with a bunch of guys like us, we can kind of coach you to get you through the whole thing. And this year it's going to be fun. It's not guaranteed that the fastest bike is going to make it. It may not be like that. And some good mentoring we're getting some good advice from people who have done this at a larger scale so they're kind of opening our eyes up showing us different tricks and different things that they've had uh so we want to make it an inclusive event you know so everybody's welcome you know and to have fun one day just go out there and rip the ground up for 500 miles and get there the following day have a nice dinner have some drinks and the following day do some more riding around southern california
0: I, I think I'm going to do my best to uh, join you guys. It's going to be, fun, be awesome. It's
1: going to be what w- w- What's the dates? It's a May 21st. It's the weekend of the 21st. Okay. It's going to be a little hard. Why? That's, Why? That's, Why? that's my birthday. Uh, Dude. 26. Enjoy my it with uh, us. you uh, will be back. Yeah. you will be back.
2: Okay. Enjoy it with us, man. We'll, 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 I'll come
1: from, I'll come from. Uh, let us know. I mean, yeah, the other us. thing that I would, I would tell people is like, and we had people do this um, last year as well, uh, bo- oh, both years. But if you don't want to ride the whole thing, don't ride the whole thing. Just join us for part of it. Like we had people who met us in Vegas. We had people who met us in um, Reno. You know, you can jump in you halfway. Just show up to San Diego. You can you can just ride the the L.A. to San Diego portion of it and meet up with us down there, and then ride the next day with us. So it's just like I said. It it ends up being just you know uh, fun motorcycle group riding like everyone now, now we does don't it just happens to, to be on electric motorcycles we
2: don't all go in the same pack obviously everybody person, every single person has their own strategy
0: every man for themselves eh, pretty much Salvage. so so or EV. well for it, EV. that's what
2: makes it fun but <laughs> we do have an app uh roadster is the one that i forgot that they were talking to this lady roadster uh, it's a tracking app that we kind of all kind of joined this app and then it shows in dots where everybody is in the map so kind of no. also at the same time kind of keeps us saying, and then we ask people to kind of post while they're doing social media. If they can, not, not because we want to know where they're at. we want to make sure that they're okay. You know, yeah. so, Hey, has he checked in? Oh yeah, he's okay. Let's continue that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, bro. See you for the next lobster roll. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Lobster. And
1: that one went long. How long lobster, you... baby. I don't know, but it's uh, almost five. An
0: hour 36. Uh. So